And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. All right, so let's talk about purpose, struggle, and maybe making magic. Those all sound like great things in theory, but how do you get it, do it, or just handle any of that stuff in real life? That's what we're going to talk about. And before I get too far into who today's guest is, a quick reminder that today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io, helping software developers Hiring software developers is diff- difficult, and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. There's a link in the show notes for that. With me today, I've got David Drebin, and David is a multidisciplinary artist working in various art forms, producing limited edition works, including photographs, light boxes, neon light installations, sculptures, etching. And glass. And not only has he done that, the dude's written a lot of books too. So, you know, let me just go ahead and say, David, welcome to Startup Hustle. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, I appreciate you calling in from 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 New York City. Now, if you want to learn more about what David does, you can go to daviddrabin.com. There's also some amazing resources in the show notes where you can find him and join his over 80,000 followers on Instagram and see what that's all about. But David, you know, let's go ahead and start our conversation today with a little bit about your backstory. I'm originally from Toronto, Canada. I moved to New York in 1994 to go to Parsons School of Design for photography. But I, I, for me, photography was always a hobby. And I always thought I was going to actually just be a waiter until I realized that I had a very unique skill set. And I started working commercially with companies all over the world for many, many years in New York, based in New York. And then I realized it was better to create a product than be a service. And then I began making many different limited edition products and selling them through the finest galleries all over the world. Okay. So I I have recorded many episodes about how bands are startups and artists are startups too. In fact, almost the purest kind of startup because you have to create everything. Now you mentioned kind of going through the difference of like, you say rather than being a service. So when you said when you were a service, you were working and creating art for the corporate world well, or clients, something like that. It wasn't really art. Like I would, I would do ad campaigns for Mercedes and, and, okay. Coca-Cola and all just, just top companies all over the world. And they would just basically hire the least expensive photographer to get the job done. And they never really cared about the final result as much as they did about who can we get for the least expensive price. And that was service work. But while I was doing those jobs, I was making photographs at the end of the shoot. And I ended up selling the photographs that I made at the end of the shoot of the stylist or the models for myself. 
far more, I had far more interest in that work than the campaign itself. And I realized instead of working for the brand, I'm the brand. And that's what doing commercial work taught me is I'm a service working for these people, but I'm actually the brand. And I had to learn that by working for other brands that I'm actually the brand. And people should really look at themselves as walking brands. But what, no, is, I it agree. I, I agree. what is it that you're branding? A lot of people are, don't even know what they're branding and what their value is to other people in the world. And that's what it's all about. Create value for other people. So when we talk about doing that, you know, there's been so much to do uh, in the last 10, 15 years about creating your quote, personal brand. You have all these different forms of social media and way to get yourself out there. I mean, so if you have no brand, where do you start? Like where, where, where how do you create something purpose-driven and move forward because what I see is a lot of people cr trying to create a quote, personal brand, but they're not doing it. They're really just kind of doing what everyone else does and doing a mediocre job at it. Well, how many, how many entrepreneurs are successful? It's a very, very tough road. And That's I think true. that, I think that the most important thing is to figure out what your purpose is in life, what you want to say, how you want to say it who you want to say it to and just make it happen over a sustained period of time. A lot of people don't even know what their purpose is. So they're putting up just junk. It's spam on social media. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say it, but, but think about all these women photographing themselves in bikinis and just doing sexy images on Instagram. That's the, they're yeah. like, if that's what they think that they're worth. They're just sex on a stick. And for me, I never like, that's just crazy to me, but that's how they see themselves. That's their own. That's their brand. Look at me. I'm sexy. I just, it's given, I actually think it's given women a lot of opportunity to, to flaunt how sexy they are, but that just, that's, just, that's their brand. Okay. And, so and I love I, that. I'm just saying it's, well, it's crazy. I do, I do too. I do, you know, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I look through, like I'll scroll through Instagram or YouTube or whatever, and maybe this says something about what the search algorithm thinks about me, but half these shorts, videos, real stories and everything I see, it's just like, they, that's what they refer to as the thirst trap, which is just like, you know, women doing, they're like, Hey, look, I have big boobs or I have something else. And like, okay, now I'm not going to necessarily say there's no value in that, but at the same time, like you said, that's a brand that ha that in my opinion has an expiration factor on it. And I, I think one of the things that scares me about future generations of entrepreneurs is, you know, when I talk to, I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old and when I talk to like kids that age, think that they're going to grow up and be an influencer. And like you said, how many entrepreneurs are successful? It's a small percentage that are, and it's the same thing with influence and building the brand. I think if you're going to build a brand for yourself and you want to do it with some purpose, I think you need to be prepared to, to help someone or provide value in some way that is potentially has the ability to be bigger than yourself. Yes. What, what are you offering the world? Are the, like what that, that's the whole key for me for being an entrepreneur is what can I offer the world to make the world a better place? And for me, 
I was lucky enough to find a way to express myself creatively through multiple different art forms and market my art forms all over the world and meet incredible people who love buying the art, putting it in their homes and then telling their friends about the art that they have. And then I have books that I've made. I've made nine books with my publisher in Germany, top publisher called to with PR and distribution. And I give all my collectors books and I'm just building my brand through connecting with people through art. That's what I do. That's what my brand is. So I, one of the things that I've, I've learned is that a lot of people that want to create a brand, build an audience or get notice of any kind, a lot of them, you know, they, they put like, they do like three things. They make like three videos or three posts or three something. And then they're upset that they don't, that it didn't go viral and they don't have a hundred million followers and stuff like that. How long did it? So the question is, is how long did it take you to gain traction or to build an audience? Cause I, I you know, I, I, oftentimes people think it, a lot of folks that have an audience are an overnight sensation. The key for me is I've never actually felt like I made it. I never feel like I'm that successful. I lead with my mind and not my ego. And I have something to say, something to show the world. And I just put it out there and my expectations are so low. And then when I think about my low expectations, I go even lower. So I think the most important thing is to be persistent, patient, but have a purpose with what you're trying to say focused and be relentless. I gotta say, Dave, I, I gotta say, David you're, you're maybe, you're maybe the first person that has said to me, well, the first highly successful person that said to me, Hey man, I just keep trying to set my expectations lower. I actually, lower. I like that. I like that. Cause lower. I think most people are, are trying to ratchet them up and ratchet them up to the point that, and I might be one of those people to the point where you're kind of always chasing that carrot. You're always, you're always running on the treadmill. And then, you know, as I've gotten a little older, I've, I've really just kind of wanted to either eat the fucking carrot or stop on the treadmill or do, I, I don't know, I'm trying to do fewer things. And I bring, I bring up the point about creating an audience because I get a lot of people that ask me questions. So, you know, with this podcast has been really successful. My business full scale has been even more successful. And, you know, I tell people they're like, oh, it's, oh, you're, you're lucky. I'm like, I don't feel lucky when I work 90 hours in a week because there's been some real battles with like, well, am I driven or am I obsessed? And I feel like I know a lot. I worked in the music industry for almost 10 years and I've had this conversation with a lot of like high performing people that feel the same way. And, you know, it's like, am I, have you found any of that? Like in order to do what you do or the creative outlet, has that created any kind of, you know, we talk about purpose and struggle, um, has, has being successful as an artist created struggle in other categories or parts of your life? Well, first of all, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. So Amen. from the moment I wake up until the moment I go to sleep, I'm always connecting with people all over the world through art. And I just reach out to people every single day to tell people how much I appreciate them 
when I actually really do appreciate them. I'm not looking for people to appreciate me as much as I'm looking to appreciate other people. And I think a lot of people think in the reverse way. I think a lot of people are looking to be appreciated. But if you just turn that around and think, you know what, let me appreciate you before you appreciate me, then things will all turn around from there. I like to appreciate others for their greatness. That's what makes me happy. I'm not looking for people to appreciate me for my greatness because I don't think that way. I just put the work out there and thank people for loving the work. If that makes sense. It's a bit of a riddle, but if, if that makes any sense. It makes a lot of sense to me because actually I, I almost confuse people because when I see my peers like win awards or do something notable or, you know, sell a company for a bunch, I'll, I'll send them a note and I'll say, Hey man, I love seeing other people be successful and get what they want. And that inspires me. So thank you for the inspiration. And there's, well, it's like, it's, this. It's, it's like, this. it's definitely a different really, message than what they're used to getting. I really appreciate you having me on the show far more than, Hey, Matt, Aren't you grateful that I'm on your show? No, I'm really grateful that you took the time to have me on your show to have a conversation with you. So I'm grateful for you. And I think that you get so much more when you give to other people than when you're trying to get things from people. And a lot of young people are trying to get things from people. I think it should be kind of reversed and think about what you can give to others and not what you can get from others. And then you'll be a much happier person by giving as opposed to thinking what you're going to get. I think there's an easy default form of giving that you can do for the people around you. And that's just to try to help them be successful. And, you know, I've built my whole company on that, on that platform of, you know, it's like I get, I have 300 employees and they often will occasionally I get, I get it. I get a Hey, thanks for the paycheck. And I'm like, thank you. No, I should be thanking you. You showed up. You're helping me. If I, if the people that work at my company can't be successful, then I'm nothing. I have nothing. Like I'm just a guy looking for something to do. It's really that simple. So, you know, and then with that form of giving it, the hardest part of it, and uh, this is old Buddhism stuff here, but uh, giving with no expectation of return is really the purest form of it. And I, I can't, you know, I give money to charities and do donations and stuff like that. And they all want to recognize you. And I'm like, don't, it's all good. You know, I'm not. And, you know, sometimes there's things that might be the opposite of that, but I, and I'll be a little more outward. Like we've, we've done a bunch of fundraisers and stuff through the startup hustle chat on Facebook and and different stuff like that, where, but the thing that our, our listeners don't know is I'm usually matching the amounts that they add in. And, and why do I not, you know, our PR people or even other people, I know, well, why aren't you telling people about that? Because it doesn't, that's not what I want to be known for. So and it's, 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 it's a challenge, but I've definitely trained myself to try and do that. And it's, you know, it, I, I think that that, I mean, Hey, isn't a new principle. It's been around for, for a long time. I think, okay, true, so, I, think true, I think true philanthropists give without attaching their names yeah. and fake philanthropists give as long as their name is attached. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I don't want my kind, name on, I don't like want my name on the building of the wall. Yeah. It's like, be kind. I, I love be kind people. 
Yep. The people yep. I know who are be the people I know who are hashtag be kind people are usually at the core nasty, diabolical, yeah. manipulative, yeah. cunning. That's the be kind movement to me. It's actually the be the, kind under the guise of I'm actually nasty movement. I've had that happen as in entrepreneurship. I won't, I don't want to get on that soapbox now because I'll, I'll go off for about 20 minutes. All right. So I, I want to shift a little bit here. So, you know, for those of you listening, once again, go to daviddraven.com because this dude's phenomenal. Um, I, I just, I got to ask, how do you, you sold a photograph for a hundred grand. How do you do that? Well, the reason why I've sold multiple photographs for a hundred thousand plus, actually my goal was not to sell the photograph and I put it at that price through my galleries as leverage to have a piece that was that expensive because the moment you sell it, you can't use that as leverage anymore. Interesting. So when I sold those pieces for a hundred thousand, which I've done repeatedly, then I didn't have pieces for $100,000 to sell anymore. So the pieces for 100,000 were more as a outrageous number. So I wouldn't sell the piece because the work is in limited edition. So when I sold them, I had no more leverage. That's why people wanted it. It's it's actually a lot easier to sell, sorry. It's a lot easier to sell expensive pieces of art than inexpensive pieces of art for whatever reason we sell works in the 20 to $50,000 range far more than works in the 6,000 to $8,000 range. I never got into this to sell the work though. I just put the prices up because I wanted to hold on to the pieces so I wouldn't sell them. And then the people wanted to buy those pieces because there were limited availability. I'm in the limited edition business, the limited availability business. You know, I'm, I'm a bit of a limited edition person myself. Like I like, I like one of one things and you know, those of you listening can't see the wall behind me, but the first thing that David said to me when we can see each other through video chat. And the first thing he said to me was he noticed the paintings that are on the wall behind me, which are all by an artist named Nate Trotter. You can go to natetrotter.com, see more of his work, but those are all one of one. And I love that because there's just something about that. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm materialistic. Maybe I'm not. I think they're beautiful art. A couple of them or one of them's got my, that's my wife. That one you can see I'm pointing to David, but you know, so with that, I like the unique things. I've also got a few, uh, I've got a few sports things that are like one of one. Now I like to surround myself with these inspirational things or things that, uh, that were worn or like in moments of greatness, because I look around and I see them and I'm like, I, I, I'm creating an environment of inspiration for myself. Um, I don't really, I've never really bought anything like that thinking, Oh man, I hope I resell it for more. In fact, I think the opposite. I'm like, I don't think I'd ever sell this stuff. So I'll tell you the key to being a great entrepreneur, do what you love and the money will follow. Yeah. If you chase the money, you never catch the money. If you build yeah. something that you have incredible passion for, the money will always come. But if you do things for the money, it just doesn't come. You think Steve Jobs built Apple for the money or from his passion? I photographed Steve Jobs in 2003. And the passion that that man had 
for the original iPod blew my mind. He wasn't doing it for the money. He was doing it to provide value for literally billions of people around the world. It was from a vision and not for padding a bank account. One of the most common questions I've had or most most frequent questions I've had over the last 10 years is how do I make more money? And I always say to people, I'm like, you need to quit focusing on money. You need to get good at something. You need to become an expert at something. And speaking of which, if you need to find expert software developers, which is difficult, you can do so easily when you visit fullscale.io where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. You can use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. They'll be passionate about you winning. I can tell you that much. Go to fullscale.io to learn more. So, all right. So you mentioned Steve Jobs. While you're here, man, who are some uh, who are some of the more interesting people that you have photographed? If people or things um, over your career, I'm just curious. I photographed many stars from all different walks of entertainment and sports and politics and entrepreneurs. For me, it's all about the chemistry that I have with the people that I photograph. And if they're willing to actually be photographed by me, because sometimes there can be a tension with, with what I want to photograph and how people want to be photographed. So I could take a massive star, but if they won't let me take the picture that I want to make of them, then it may not be a great experience, but I care far more about getting the photograph than I do about making sure that it's a pleasant experience. It's like a a movie director. I will do whatever I can to make a great photograph. Because sometimes the worst experiences make the best photographs. I know it's a crazy okay. concept, but if we were having- No, we were it's having, not. No, that makes sense. If we were sense. having dinner together and someone took a picture of me shaking your hand or me throwing a glass of wine in your face, I think throwing a glass in your glass of wine in your face is a far more interesting photograph than you and I shaking hands together. So I photographed big stars, but- I always wanted to get my concepts across, maybe photograph them freaking out, crying, some kind of emotion other than just standing against the wall, staring at the camera. Cause I find that to be really boring. I like to create excitement through art. Well, you still need to tell me a couple people that were interesting, David. Oh, I mean, for, for me, the, for me, the real highlight was actually, I photographed Michael Jordan in his prime. He was the nicest guy. His team told me that I only had five minutes with him. And he said, you take as much time with me as you want. And he was a very, very cool guy. I photographed him for a a Gatorade campaign. I used to do all the ads for Gatorade. So I photographed all these major stars in their prime. Michael Jordan in his prime. Peyton Manning in his prime. Derek Jeter in his prime. Vince Carter in his prime. So I really loved doing ad campaigns with, 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 athletes that I really admired. But then I photographed entrepreneurs like Steve Jobs and Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary Vaynerchuk was spectacular to photograph. He was so he was so into all the concepts. He said, do whatever you want to do. I mean, we have as much time as you need. So I love entrepreneurs. I love athletes. I photographed a lot of movie stars also. I photographed Charlize Theron at the at the Chateau Marmont in LA. She was just about to win her first Oscar. And that was an incredible moment for me where I was actually very nervous to photograph her. And sometimes I like being nervous 
And I miss the days when I was nervous to photograph people because it doesn't happen very much anymore. But I love that nervous feeling because to be nervous is to be alive. And I crave situations that make me comfortably uncomfortable to get a little bit nervous. I'm looking for situations where I can be a little bit nervous. And that's why I'm, I like doing public speaking also with no notes. Public speaking with no notes, with a little bit of nervous energy is for me a dreamlike scenario. I do the same thing with public speaking. My wife thinks I'm crazy. You know, she'll be like, how many people are you speaking? I don't know, four or five hundred. Let me tell you just something. What you Let me tell you what you just did for me. You just gave me the most amazing piece of art. And I'm going to make this. It's going to say, I'm going to make a neon. It's going to say, my wife thinks I'm crazy. And I'm yeah. going to put it in our basil this year. And it's going to be an absolute masterpiece. So we're speaking right now. I will make a neon that says, my wife thinks I'm crazy. Let me just write this on my phone right now. Oh, please. My wife, please. My, hold on a second. Hold on a second. My, my wife thinks I am crazy. I will make this in pink or purple. I will put this at an art fair in December and people will come and people will see it and people will buy it. I'll put it in addition of nine. So that's entrepreneurship. We're speaking right now. You gave me a great idea. I wrote it down. I'll put it into fabrication in the next two weeks. In four mm. months from now, I will take a picture of it at the art fair. I will send it to you. You'll probably buy one yourself. And I will make edition of nine and I will sell them all. But I didn't do it for the money. I did it out of conversation right now. That is an incredible art piece. My wife thinks I am crazy. It's spectacular. It's, it's that true. was worth it all. Do you feel it's it true. though? Yep. You feel it? Can, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, but I think you got to send me one of the nine though. You're going to make me buy it. <laughs> By the way, all my friends, all my friends say, I'm your friend. You should give me the art. I'm like, yeah. So if yeah, I own the I actually wouldn't let you do that. Well, if yeah. you wanted to, I would take it, but I would never show up and be like, hey man, I inspired you to do this. You should give me one. Well, Never. it's like owning a restaurant. A lot of people I know own restaurants, their friends come in and they think they could just eat for free. Well, no, this is a business. If you come to my restaurant, you have to support my, my restaurant. I'm not giving you free stuff. Yeah. I would, if I came to your restaurant, I would actually pay more than was on the menu happily. And I do, it's, I mentioned working in the music industry for 10 years. I, you know, I, I go and I get to hang out with, with some cool people and they would guest list me anytime I ask. And I have, I have, I buy my own ticket 100% of the time because for the same reason, man, don't show up at my restaurant and ask me for free shit and they're working. So that's a great thing. I'm, my wife really does think I'm crazy, by the way. I think most, most people's wives do. And that's why that'll be a big fucking hit. Now, you know, we talk about that. You talk about doing the neon and doing the photograph. I see you've done some stuff with NFTs. How has that journey been for you? I worked with Gary Vaynerchuk's agency, Vayner NFT, and I really enjoyed being part of the NFT movement. The problem I have with any NFTs that people were buying my NFTs to, to sell them for five times more money the day after the auction ended. And I felt like it was more about people looking for quick flips than about buying the art. And I like to make yeah. art for people who love the art and not for people to buy the art and flip the art for five times more the next day. So I like the concept, but I think the people trying to flip it are ruining the NFTs instead of the people who wanna have digital assets on their phone. I love the concept of digital assets 
but I don't love the concept of buying digital assets to flip them the next day to try to make five times more money. It's like buying penny stocks, thinking that you're going to get rich. Too many people are into get rich fast schemes. And that's just not my business. I built a business based on hitting singles, the odd double, occasional triple, but I don't hit grand slam on every single at bat I have. I'm a singles hitter. I actually had someone say that to me a few years ago. They were that uh, I, I they had requested that I do a call with them, and then when I got on the call, the guy was like, "You know, Matt, I was really looking at a lot of stuff you do. And it seems like you're really good at like hitting doubles, and you don't really ever hit home runs." I'm like, "Yeah, you can make the fucking all star team every single year if you're a great doubles hitter as well." You know, now the the thing is, is, is not all as an entrepreneur if you're only going up to the plate trying to hit home runs you are going to be walking back to the dugout hanging your head a lot because you know look very few i mean very few a microscopic portion of people get rich quickly and also like and those are just like a lot of times it's timely you know i've met some people that are rich beyond any person's belief and i leave my meeting with them and i'm like what the fuck like, how did this person get rich? So sometimes it's just like you're, I mean, I'm not a big believer in luck, but you know, everyone that I know that has been successful and done notable things, they, it, it does not happen quickly. It, it, and sometimes if it appears as if it does, you're not considering the 10,000 hours of practice or iteration that went in to that moment where they finally did it. And a lot of times I think you'll agree with this as an artist, like, so as an entrepreneur, my goal is I'll take 10 ideas and I'll run them all forward. And I'm hoping that one of them ends up great. And that's all I need. And I would imagine that's the same thing as an artist in some regards. Like, I mean, I, everybody I know that's a photographer takes a shitload of photographs and 99% of them get thrown away. I don't think that way though. I don't think that way. First of all, I don't see myself as an artist. I, I, I project myself as a somewhat of a crazy eccentric artist, but there's nothing crazy nor eccentric about me. It's just image. But I spend my life as an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur and I market the art that I've already made because if I was living as an artist every day, I'd be broke. So I market the art that I've, made all over the world so i make art sometimes but i market my art all the time it's it's pure entrepreneurship by making people feel amazing that's what i do i make people feel great through art and through appreciation my dream is to be an artist but i'm an entrepreneur uh, i i loved the comment earlier um well, I think if you think you've made it, you're in the process of undoing that. And I never thought I made it. I've never felt successful. I never thought I made it. I never pat my hand on my own back. And all I want to do is grow and be a better version of myself today than I was yesterday and tomorrow than I am today. So what are some of the things that are going to help assist with that? And what do you have planned for the future David Drebin everything? Other than my wife thinks I'm crazy, which is going to be a hit. Positive. You heard it here first. It will be. My wife thinks I'm crazy. Will probably be one of the most, the fastest selling 
pieces of art that I've ever made. God bless. Because, I hope it is. I hope it is. You know, and, and actually, that's actually, people say, what inspires you? How do you create art? And for me, it comes out of nowhere by paying attention to conversation. That's how I make it. Just, just, just by having this conversation with you right now, when we get off the phone, I'll call my neon manufacturer. I'll, I'll ask him what the right size is. I'll call my designer, my graphic designer. They'll put it into production. They'll give me the font. They'll make my wife think I'm crazy. I'll send it to my team. I'll send it to my galleries, ask them if they like it and make it happen and promote it like crazy. That's the key. The key is to believe it, to see it. Have an idea so, and make it happen. I've got, I've got a, my method and I, and I kind of consider myself more of an artist on some days than an entrepreneur. Because to do to, as an entrepreneur to pull off some of the shit you have to pull off, you have to do it in an artful way. Um, but but you know, I, I think my key is you mentioned listening and listening to what's going on around you. And for regular listeners of the show, you probably know what I'm going to say. You got to listen. There's an echo. There is always an echo out there when it comes to problems that need to be solved. You're going to hear the same people complaining about the same shit and you got to find, you got to find an echo that you're passionate about solving. And much like David said earlier, you said, you, if you do something you love, you don't, you don't work. And I decided several years ago that my hobby was going to be making money and I haven't worked a single day since then either. So I, I get, I get hear you on that. And that helps me get up on the, and do it on the days that I might not. And you know, honestly, on the days that I really just don't want to do it, I don't. It's it maybe not the most motivational thing you're ever going to hear. And it's might not even be the most responsible or adult thing. And I don't really care because if I'm not, because I will get more done when I'm passionate about doing something and locked in, like an inspiration's hard to find when you do find it, you got to ride that fucking horse until it's not going to go anymore. And you know, whether that's three straight days, like don't get off of it. If you get off of it, then it's sometimes you don't know when it's going to come back around and, and say, hey, get back on now. And that's a question I have for you. It's like, what are there? Can you can you turn on inspiration or do you just have to look for it? And when you spot it, go with it. I don't look for inspiration. I let it come to me. Okay. Just like you so and when, I speaking right now, just like you and I speaking right now, I wasn't looking to create an art piece based on our conversation, but because of what you just said to me, that got the wheels turning and inspired me to make an amazing piece of art that many people around the world will be able to relate to, but I'm only going to make nine pieces. So that was my inspiration of the day, but I wasn't looking for inspiration. And I think sometimes the key is to be calm and let things come to you while you're very aware of what you need to inspire you and what rings a bell in your imagination. So I'm curious as an artist, when you mentioned something that does inspire you, whether that's a comment or something you see, do you see the, the finished and final piece for the most part, like in your head? Like, do you, do you yeah, already like, see the font, yeah, like, the colors, like all of it? Cause you spit that yeah. out pretty quick, dude. Yeah. It's done. 
the, the let me tell you right now the what this is a perfect it's example. Fun. You saying my wife thinks I'm crazy, it's already done in my mind. I've already shown it at five art fairs, and I've already sold nine of the pieces for twenty five thousand dollars each. They're all sold in my mind. It's done. It may not happen in one day, but I guarantee you in a year and a half from now, those pieces will all be sold. People will be very happy with those pieces in their house. They'll all post them on their Instagram. It will go viral and people will love it. But at the same time, if I never sell one of them, that's okay too. Because I imagined and I also managed what I can expect from the creation that you inspire me to create. And that's half the fun is thanking somebody for the inspiration. So whether I sell them or not, it's okay either way because I'm in the game. At least I'm in the game and I got excited. So do you ever get attached to the stuff that you create and, and it hurts when you sell it? Or, or do you create, or, or do you know that it's meant to go, do you get more pleasure out of knowing that someone else is getting it and enjoying it? That's a really great question. For many years, the art sort of came through me. And then I just became a product for all of my galleries and distributors all over the world. And sometimes I want to say, I'm not just a product. I'm actually a person as well. So I actually like to practice detachment far more than attachment. I'm not really attached to anything, especially outcomes. I'm more attached to the process than I am to the outcome. That's my attachment is the process, not the outcome. That's a great question though. That's like my favorite run, question. Well, I run into that a lot with entrepreneurs and, you know, they start, a, I, I think so many people start a business and they accidentally, you know, one of my books, I, in my book, Million Dollar Bedroom, I, I mentioned that it's like literally right there in the, the, near the beginning, my accidental business. And so many people start a business because they're passionate, like artists are a great example. Artists will start an art business, but they don't know anything about business. They know a lot about art and then they find themselves having to learn so much about it, which kind of takes a lot of the flavor away from what they're trying to do on the other side of the room. I have a feeling with you, you've, you mentioned your team or people and stuff like that. Is, is that a key component to, uh, you know, I, one, some of the best advice I got was from a guitarist named Jake Senninger and Van Umphers McGee. They've been playing big venues for a while. And I was struggling to try to scale my business. And I asked him, you know, he said, well, what are you having a problem with? I kind of laid it out. I was basically doing too many stuff, too much stuff. He said, the guru doesn't take selfies, Matt. And meaning like you got to let people around you help you so you can be in your moment. And he went on to de describe, he's like, you know, there's people setting up my gear on the stage and bringing it in. He goes, I'm capable of doing that. In fact, I'm willing to do all of it. The problem is, is if I spend time doing it, the more of that, the more and more I do that, the more and more I'm dragging myself away from the place I need to be when this place fills up tonight and I have to hit my notes and, you know, sing the songs and do all of that. And, you know, for me, that, that changed my, my outlook on a lot of things. Cause I started asking myself more and more and more, should I, am I the person that should be doing this? I think delegating is very important to find people who can do things 
better than you can do things for your business. Yeah. And that's hard to do. I mean, that's hard to do. You have to develop a level of trust and I would think that would be a challenging as well. Cause you know, with art, I mean, so much of that can be subjective. Is this, is this worth nothing? Is this worth 25 grand? Is this worth a hundred grand? Is this worth infinity? Who knows? Who knows? I guess it's, if you, if we were talking to my dad who always, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I had baseball card collection and I'd be like, Hey, look, this is worth $4. And he'd be like, do you have someone to give you $4 for it? Well, no, then it's not worth anything. So yeah. I, let me tell you, I've let me never... tell you something. If I made works for a hundred thousand dollars and I never sold them ever, I'd be totally fine with that. Cause I could spend the next 30 years letting people know that I've got works for a hundred thousand dollars. Obviously you can't afford it, but when you can afford it, let, let us know and we'll make the image for you. The worst thing about having a piece for $100,000 is actually selling it because then it's gone. That's the worst thing about selling a piece of work for $100,000 is selling it. First off, I love the sales approach there. I love the sales approach there. But it's true. I was depressed. Listen, after I sold the piece, I was depressed for months and I've sold multiple pieces for over $100,000, multiple. And every time I sell it, I get depressed because I think now it's gone. That's a, that's a, I, I love that approach though. And there is, there is something now, if we just talk about it more like the, just sales in general, the, the, you have the good, better, best approach. Right. And so, like you said, like here, this is, this is a hundred grand Now you probably, I get it. You might not be able to afford this right now, Would you tell some people that, and they're like, fuck you, I can't afford it. Let's ring it up. The thing for me is I'm never thirsty. I always like to say, I love money and I love girls, but I never chase money and I never chase girls. I just don't like people who are thirsty. And when I see people who I know have a lot of money, the last thing I do is try to sell them anything ever. If anything, I'd rather buy them a drink. I'd rather give them a book. I'd rather compliment them on something. Because I take all their power away by wanting nothing of what they have. And I truly don't, actually. And people who've worked with me in the past have said to me, you leave so much money on the table. And I always say, I'd rather leave the money on the table and feel good about myself than take the money off the table and feel bad about myself. I'd rather feel good about myself with less money than have more money and feel bad about myself. I'm driven by the success of feeling good inside internally and not the rewards of money and external validation. Money never made me or anybody I know happy. But peace of mind is the ultimate success that has nothing to do with money, has everything to do with being grateful for what you have. Yeah, with that peace of mind, nothing else has much flavor. I've said that a lot in my life. I, yeah, I do the same thing at full scale. And this seems like a good time to get, for me to do my final piece of, of real work here, which is if you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, let full scale help. We have the people in the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit fullscale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions, then let our platform match you up with our fully vetted 
highly experienced team of software engineers, testers, or leaders. At FullScale, we specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more at FullScale.io. Once again, with me today, David Drebin, a very interesting guest for so many different reasons. I've really enjoyed this conversation because... I love talking to entrepreneurs that do so many different things. And this is, I actually, um, you know, I think I've recorded over 700 episodes of the show and I can't remember another artist. Um, and, you know, congratulations on all of your success. I love that. I love the outlook on so many things. And, and you know, honestly, David, I really love the sales approach on some of it. Um, whether it's intentional or not, it's, it's strong. It's, and maybe I like it cause it, it lines up well with what I recommend. Now, you know, one of the things that you mentioned, uh, and I want to encourage everyone out there, especially entrepreneurs that are starting any kind of new business and you're bringing on new clients or customers or whatever, you know what, be, be mindful of who your clients and customers are. It's okay to say no. It's okay to say next. I do it all the time because you're going to get some people that are going to drive you crazy and just drive you nuts. And that will ruin your peace of mind. And, you know, it's, it's hard in the beginning because you're like, shit, I better, I better make some money here. So you kind of say, yes, 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 yes. And then you find yourself in a spot where you need to say no, 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 no. And you kind of go nuts over the attachments. And, you know, some businesses are not like that, meaning you can make a one-time transaction and then you're gone. But for us, we do recurring stuff on long-term. And if we don't have a good relationship with the client or they treat our people poorly, then it's just a shitty thing. And I just rather not even have the money than deal with that. And, you know, there's a lot to be said about about all that. So David, as we wrap up today's show, um, you know, and thanks again for the interesting take on entrepreneurship. I'm hoping the future, my wife thinks I'm crazy line is going to be a big hit because I will, I will, I will, enjoy, I will enjoy watching all of that. But what's some advice that you could give any, if you had to give some advice to entrepreneurs in general, I mean, what would that be? And feel free to throw an art flavor in there if you want. Cause I know we hear the term struggling artist or starving artist for a reason. The advice I give to others is the advice I give to myself, which is never chase the money. Find a passion, pursue your passion, believe in yourself, and then convince the world to see you the way you see yourself and your passion. And then if you're lucky and you win, the money will come. Money comes from winning. Focus on winning. Don't focus on money. You think Michael Jordan, when he was taking the last shot in the game, or LeBron, is thinking about his paycheck? No, he's thinking about winning. Think about winning before the money. And then, because you win, the money will come. Yeah, I agree. And I like I've used the term expert more so than winning and and the references I've made in the past, but get good at something. If you get good at something, you're going to be fine. It's like even during the pandemic, even though my wife does think I'm crazy and still does, she said to me at one point, she's like, I don't understand how you're not going crazy right now. I said, no, I'm going fucking crazy right now, but this is just another problem. I'm learning how to deal with it. And I'm going to show up and handle those problems every day. David, thanks for joining me, man. I really enjoyed the conversation. I'm going to click stop so we can talk about all the stuff that listeners won't hear now. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.